Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest is Ruth Gaviria, who is publisher and executive director of Hispanic Ventures for the Meredith Publishing Group. Today we will discuss Meredith's efforts to reach U.S. Latinos with Spanish language publications. Ruth assumed her position in January of 2004. In this role, she was integral to the creation and the September 2005 launch of Siempre Mujer. Prior to joining Meredith, she was Director of Marketing and Brand Development for People in Español, a Time, Inc. publication. She was also Director of U.S. Hispanic Market at Colgate-Palmolive from 1992 to 1999 and Brand Promotions Manager at Miller Brewing from 1987 to 1992. From 1999 to 2000, she was Vice President of Global Marketing for Fusion Networks, where she developed the company's marketing and web brand positioning in the United States and Latin American Hispanic markets. Ruth began her career at Procter & Gamble, where she worked in sales and marketing. She was named one of Advertising Age's Top 100 Marketers in 2000 and received her undergraduate degree from Tulane University in New Orleans. She resides in Westport, Connecticut with her son. Ruth, welcome. Thank you. How long has Meredith been targeting you as Latinos? I have been at Meredith for approximately almost four years. Before my arrival to Meredith, with the purchase of American Baby, Meredith also purchased Healthy Kids in Español, Espera, and Doce Meses, three magazines that were targeting Hispanic women at pretty critical life stages, uh, from pregnancy to having a toddler to having um, an elementary schooler. So those properties existed at Meredith prior to my arrival. Any idea about approximately, are we talking about maybe six years? Uh, that was, yes, about six, seven years. That is correct. Based on the names of the publications, it sounds like you reaching out to moms and expectant moms. It, is that more or less the core segment that you're going after? Yes. With Meredith and with the creation of Siempre Mujer, and I created Siempre Mujer for Meredith uh, three years ago, and this baby is now a toddler. <laughs> um, what we, our goal and our objective is to duplicate Meredith's footprint in the general market, which is to reach women um, at critical life stages uh, and reach women uh, in a way in which we inspire them. Meredith has a database of 71 million women. We reach anywhere between 71 and 90 million women a month with our publications, publications like Better Homes and Gardens, more, Ladies Home Journal. Our objective was and continues to be, uh, how do we serve Hispanic women in a compelling way and an inspiring way in the United States, very similarly to how Meredith has done this in the general market for over 100 years. So that's been our objective. When you say 71, I think you said to 90 million women a month, is that in the U.S. alone or is that worldwide? That is in the United States alone. We reach more women than television if we, if we, if we 
look at all, all of our properties um, and all of the custom publications that we do and all of the single interest publications. Really, where Meredith has truly been um, committed is in, uh, to provide women information and inspiration on home, family, and development of self. Looking at Hispanic women and looking at those values and looking at what's important to Meredith in the general market, there was a perfect alignment. I came to Meredith to really look at Hispanic women and look at who in the United States, from a Hispanic perspective, needed what. And we understood after much research, and we committed to Consumer Insights, that the most underserved segment of the Hispanic population were Hispanic women that were Spanish dominant, Spanish preferred, immigrant, and that had been in this country for less than 10 years. And to do a little bit of a market size, if I may, when you look at the Hispanic universe in the United States, it's about 47 million Hispanics. If you take away the men, you take away the babies, and you focus on women 18 to 49, and you focus on those women that have a high school education and have a median income of more than 25,000, that universe of women is about 11 million. That's the mom universe, that's the woman universe in the Hispanic market. Of that universe, approximately 4 to 5 million is Spanish dominant, Spanish preferred. Now this is going to shift, but you know, through time because there are going to be more births in the US. But that universe is the universe that we wanted and currently serve. Spanish dominant, Spanish preferred, women between 18 and 49 with a median income of 25 million. 25,000 a year plus. I'm sorry, 25,000. Not 25 million. <laughs> that would be nice, right? That would be really nice, yes. Are you the only ones serving this market? And if not, how are you special? How are we special? <laughs> um, when we looked at the print market, at the magazine market, we knew we had a very unique offering. When we look at that universe, you had a lot of magazines in the entertainment uh, arena, people Espanol and Espanol leads that charge. You have Mira, TV Novelas, TV Notas. You have your general interest publication, uh, such as Selecciones, which is Reader's Digest in Spanish. And you have some publications in the beauty, fashion arena, like Vanidades. And when it came to parenthood, and when it came to lifestyle service editorial, there was very little in this space. Uh, I believe we do the very best job in addressing the needs of Hispanic women that are moms and that are responsible for a household, and uh, we reach 4 million of them with our publications. And our focus is really on that Hispanic mom. Uh, we're expanding our offering of uh, services and, and content to this woman, and uh, we also have a division that does custom publishing where we partner with clients such as uh, Unilever, Procter & Gamble, Kraft, Fisher-Price, Walmart, 
to develop publications for their audiences with relevant content that um, helps the community and also obviously aligns those brands with the community. When you say that you develop the products in partnership with these companies, you mean as advertising partners or are these advertorial publications that you're referring to? I am referring, I have a slew of magazines that I lead. Those are magazines, editorial magazines, that advertisers can put their ads in. Those are Ser Padres, Siempre Mujer, Espera, and Doce Meses. On the other side, we also have a custom publishing business. A custom publishing business is a business that comes directly from the advertiser, and the advertiser gives us an assignment and says, this is what we need to do with our consumers. We then provide smart content development and consultation and develop those products for them. Those products can have advertorials in them, but they're specific and endemic to those particular advertisers. For example, we do a magazine for Unilever called Viva Mejor, and we create it for them, and we work with them very closely in their brands. Let's go back for a minute, if you would, Ruth, to the four magazines that you mentioned. Ser Padres, which is being parents, right? Yes. Espera, which I assume is a pregnancy magazine. You got it. Doce Meses. It's first year of life, the first 12 months of your child having a toddler, that first year of life. And Siempre Mujer, always a woman. Yep. If you would maybe tell us a little bit more about each one of those and your reach, etc., that would be great. Okay, sure. Uh, Ser Padres is uh, a publication. It, it is relaunching eight times a year with a circulation of 700,000. It is distributed through pediatrician offices. Um, Ser Padres provides the tools for moms and dads to raise healthy, happy children in the U.S. Um, while still celebrating their culture and heritage. Uh, and Sarpadis' goal is to be the primary source of inspiration and information on family, home, and health. So Sarpadis, if I were to say two words associated with Sarpadis, would be bienestar familiar, family well-being, in a culturally relevant way. So we're not throwing our um, cultural values away. What we're doing is celebrating our culture and also adapting to American values that are necessary for our children to be successful in this country and to become part of this country. So that's the part. Siempre Mujer reached a very, um, reaches a, uh, it's a very compelling magazine that is really about inspiration. Siempre Mujer is for, again, the Hispanic woman that is living in the U.S. who keeps her traditions alive and embraces American values. And this magazine is created to reflect her lifestyle, her aspirations, and her dreams. Our goal is to be her champion, her trusted friend, so that she can turn to us when she needs information on family, on relationships, on health, on home, self-development, and ultimately the big word with this magazine is empowerment. So if I were to say one word for Siempre Mujer, is really empowerment. We want to be the roadmap for better living. 
there wasn't and there still isn't a magazine that comes close comes close to this positioning in the marketplace. Espera is a pregnancy magazine, very much educating our community on the importance of a healthy pregnancy. A healthy pregnancy equals a healthy baby equals a lot of healthy <laughs> years forward. And it's very important that our women, especially since in the next decade, one out of four births will be to Hispanic women. Very important that they take care prenatally. And that is our mission with Espera. And our circulation with Espera is 600,000 um, a year. And um, we distribute through birth centers, through hospitals, um, and this, we do the same with first year of life, which is primeros doce meses. I forgot to tell you about Siempre Mujer and its circulation and our circulation. Uh, we'll be going up. It's, a, it's paid circulation through subscription and newsstand, and we'll be going up to uh, 425,000 next January. So those are our four publications. How do you develop the editorial? Do you have a full editorial team for each of the magazines? The content can be similar sometimes. I imagine there's some crossover. Or do you have shared staff? We have two publishers. I'm sorry, two uh, editors-in-chief. Um, we have an editor-in-chief, Joanna Buckles, who is the editor-in-chief of Siempre Mujer, and she's got her own staff. She also um, developed Espera and Doce Meses. Those publications are uh, created twice a year. So she does Siempre Mujer and those two publications. And then we have a Serpare staff that is led by Alberto Oliva, the editor-in-chief, and he's got his own uh, group uh, as well. And uh, if, I may, if I may say so, we have best in class editors. We have an amazing editorial staff. We are very blessed with a very diverse and talented group of editors that are very passionate about what they write about. And they are bilingual, bicultural. They have grown up in different countries around Latin America and in Mexico. And they bring with them their culture from, 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 from their heart. And they also are successful people in the U.S. So we really are a reflection of what we are writing about. What's the approximate size in terms of number of pages for the magazines, Ruth? Uh, Siempre Mujer is about 100, 112 pages, and Ser Padres is approximately 80-something um, pages an issue. And that is probably going to go up as we have relaunched, and we've had a lot of advertiser interest in this magazine now that it is more frequent. One of the things that has been a hurdle in our market is the lack of reach and frequency in print, because there are not that many vehicles that are available for advertisers to put their ads in. So um, that's great news. When we grow, or anybody actually grows their circulation, it's, it's always great news for the, for the category. And um, Doce Meses and Espera. Doce Meses and Espera. Um, you know what? I don't have those numbers off of the top of my head. It's okay. 
what would you say, you were talking about advertising a minute ago and how much interest there is. What would you say is the approximate advertising to editorial mix? That's, that's always a battle. <laughs> you want more, right? Uh, editors want 60% editorial and um, publishers want 60% ads. We net somewhere around 50-50. Uh, 50% editorial and 50% ads, and there's a very um, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a formula to it. And if we feel that there's that 50% of the book being editorial does not serve the reader, and we need to add spreads to make sure that we are in an issue, threading the stories and making sure it is juicy and satisfying enough, we will go up in book size. In terms of the reach of the magazines, are they pretty much across the country? Are there states where you're stronger for some of the magazines than others? If you would share a little bit about that with us. Okay. We happen to have a skew towards um, the Mexican market, given some of our circulation initiatives and how it all shook up. We are stronger west of the Mississippi than we are east of the Mississippi. Um, not a bad thing. 60% plus of the market is Mexican-based. Our priority is to make sure that we do connect at the cost of entry with the Mexican-American market. That said, um, our editorial and our circulation is pretty much balanced on the top 20 Hispanic markets. And when you look at the top 10 Hispanic markets, that's where 70% of the population, Hispanic population resides. So it's, it's very, you know, the top 20 markets you're going to capture pretty much a lot of the Hispanic market. Uh, you do see growth in markets that are, that have jobs. Um, and in states that have jobs that we have not particularly penetrated, North South Carolina, North Carolina, lots of growth there. Alaska, there is growth. Um, eventually, I would imagine that the Hispanic market becomes more national. Right now, the Hispanic market is really pretty concentrated in the in top 20 states. Or top 20 DMAs, I'm sorry. Earlier, you said that Siempre Mujer is by subscription and available in newsstands, is that right? That's correct. Do you see a difference in terms of the reach of Siempre Mujer compared to the publications that are available less frequently and through other means? What do you mean? The geographic spread, you were talking about the top 20 DMAs, does it have any effect on your geographic reach? the fact that Siempre Mujer is available by subscription because it means that people in markets that are not top markets, top Hispanic markets, can still get the magazine? Or does that play a role at all? You know, we, we, I think all publications are pretty much in the same boat. We are trying to find Hispanic people. And it, it's, uh, it, it doesn't, I, I don't see an effect on that. What I see a major challenge in, and I think that that's, 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 that's how I would like to sort of be transparent with this conversation. All of these magazines are trying to reach 5 million Hispanic women in a country of 100 million, 100 million, 300 million people, right? Right. 
So when you look at that, it's a needle in a haystack. So you have to find, it, 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 you need to find markets where there's clusters of Hispanics so that we can have enough of a presence so that we can get the brand awareness and um, connect with these folks. A lot harder to connect with a family in Minneapolis, a Hispanic family in Minneapolis. And yet those are probably the people who are most hungry for that kind of information because they're in a community that doesn't have a lot of Hispanic information, right? I think that it's, it's the hunger is across the board because there's very little out there in Spanish. The hunger is across the board, but absolutely. I mean, subscription efforts, and, and I think that once our market is online, this is where the... You know the the, the 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 world flattens out a bit, right? Because through the internet, all this information will be available. You'll be able to subscribe subscribe through the internet. You'll be able to see that these resources are available. Um, and we are growing these magazines as fast as I can. I'll give you an example: Ser Padres, distributed through pediatrician offices um, across the board. My circulation right now is 700,000. I could right now get that circulation over a million, easy, because I have that many doctors requesting Cepadres. But I cannot monetize that. I don't have an advertiser that right now is going to pay the circulation of a million. It's going to be hard to, to grow circulation that dramatically. So it's, I cannot monetize. I have to look at a business model, right? Of course. And I have to look at what I can monetize, what the ad market can tolerate. And there are choices. There's choices in print. There are choices online. There are choices on TV. And I have to grow this magazine commensurate to the ad uh, world that is available. And I don't want to compromise the quality of the editorial. So I cannot lower prices to a place where um, it doesn't make any sense and I am not committed to the best editorial that I can give this reader. Now, this is a perfect segue to my next question, which is how do you spread the word about the publications, how do you grow your market when, as you said earlier, it's like finding a needle in a haystack because it's geographically it's so large and Latinos tend to be spread across the top DMAs and then some? Right. Um, first, you have to spend money on advertising, and we have. You buy radio, you buy local, local media, so you preach. You walk the walk. You talk the talk, but you walk the walk as well. Uh, we also uh, have editors that are on TV all the time and on the radio. We have our editors be the spokespeople, the spokespersonality for and bring the, li the brand alive. So Siempre Mujer is on TV all the time with Joanna and with Ursula Carranza, who is our beauty and fashion editor. Um, and Serpares will soon be doing the same thing um, with um uh, with their brand and getting more visibility. Keeping in mind that Cepadis has been in the marketplace for 17 years. So it is a very well-recognized and respected brand. How does your growth in the Spanish language section of the company 
compare to what is going on elsewhere because from what I understand nationwide media growth is flat and some markets shrinking and among the few media that are growing are ethnic media especially Spanish language publications do you find that to be the case at Meredith? Absolutely I mean well Meredith is having a great year <laughs> so uh, I have a big benchmark to, to meet. Uh, growth year-on-year year for us has been well in the upper teens. We're a launch, and um, when we look at, you know, the growth of Padres, actually, that is through the roof right now. I mean, we have grown year-on-year uh, year, uh, in the mid-30s in terms of uh, revenue. And the Hispanic media last year, what, grew 14%, while the um, – the general market media was flat. Uh, and the magazine growth in the Hispanic market was commensurate to about 13%. Um, Internet is, is getting up there. Um, it has been reported that Internet is about $132 million, or was $132 million in 2006. But um, Hispanic is here to stay. Diversity is here to stay. Um, Niche marketing is the only way that all companies are going to be able to communicate and send messaging and develop relationships with consumers and customers. Uh, the, the day of the TV plan uh, coupled with a couple of billboards and a couple of print ads are gone. Uh, it is about micro and mini communities. It's really not a macro world anymore. And understanding how to market to the Hispanic market, which has always been a market within a market, a micro market, can only help any company because those tenants and those tools and how we go to market and how we provide compelling communication tools to, to address the needs of a, a mini community, we're going to have to duplicate in the general market. So this company is very committed to the Hispanic market because of what the United States is going to be 20 years from now, but also from a smart business perspective. We will be marketing and writing to people's passion points. We are not going to be able to reach a ubiquitous market with a ubiquitous type of product. It's going to be many products, many communication uh, points, and many communities. It sounds like there's a lot of potential and a lot of growth and certainly a lot of excitement going on. Does your marketing budget, do your resources that you get from the company, how do those match your task? How does that compare in terms of the growth in relation to the rest of the products that are available? I am one of the lucky ones. This company has invested in, significantly invested. The board of directors is vested in uh, our success. I have tremendous infrastructure and tremendous support from every area of the company. One of the things that I see when uh, there are startups out there and there are some great products out there that I certainly hope do great things and do well uh, they don't have the benefit of, of what I have. I have a consumer marketing department at my disposal. 
I have a financial group that will help me and guide me and be my partner in making the right decisions. Um, uh, Meredith has given uh, us an opportunity to work cross-functionally with experts in other areas. And uh, the investment has also been large. I mean, we are a group of no less than 40 people, which is significant. Significant. Now, I imagine that you can't tell us your actual budget, but can you give us an idea of maybe percentage-wise or as it relates to the overall budget? Absolutely not. I'm sorry. <laughs> but try, though. Okay. In terms of your promotional tools, you were talking about the Internet a minute ago and the importance that that has. Is that a tool that you're using in your brand development and in your sales efforts to reach th these audiences for the four magazines? And how does that work in your media mix? Not yet. We have not developed a full-blown web strategy. That is our next, um, our next uh, frontier. What we are developing uh, very significantly and not exactly what, um, and it's a need in the marketplace, is an integrated marketing department that can offer 360 ideas, 360 you know, ideas and uh, develop holistic plans. We can actually consult on brand positioning, consult companies on um, their Hispanic efforts or need for them, and we can provide a footprint for them on how to go to market. So we are very focused right now on developing an agency-type capability where we can consult our clients on how to go to market. Do you have an online presence at all for the magazines themselves? We have online. We do, uh, but it is not of, of the scale that we will be. We have Zapatis is under the parents' portal, and that's not ideal. And we have uh, a microsite for Siempre Mujer. So these two sites have been used as circulation drivers. We also have a content partnership with Univision. Right now, Univision.com, Siempre Mujer does. And again, these are just uh, the beginning stages of a full-blown web strategy that we will develop uh, in the next 18 months. Are you planning on eventually taking the magazines online 100% as, for example, we see with other Hispanic market publications that have converted or have added an online edition? That is a $300 million question <laughs> because we are in that process. I do not know what makes sense right now, to be quite honest with you. Um, I see those people rushing to market to get websites up. The only way those, those will be sustainable businesses are if they can be monetized. So to me, the critical part of it is absolutely you have this information. Are there enough people out there that are going to be clicking? And can you monetize that website so that it, it continues to be a sustainable, healthy model in the U.S. Hispanic market today? I think the question that comes to my mind when when I look at the overall picture, for example, the mainstream market is said not to be reading. People just don't want to read anymore. 
they say that the percentage is huge. I think I read somewhere that 70% of Americans don't read anything after they finish their studies, whatever studies those are, high school, college, graduate school, etc. They say that they just don't read anymore and that this is part of the reason that so many of the print tools out there are, or print products are losing market shares in addition to the fact that the mainstream markets are shrinking. Do you have any information on the reading interest of these market segments that you're pursuing and do they, how do they relate to these other trends in the mainstream? Okay. The trends in the mainstream, uh, uh, let me clarify a, a bit of, of that. If a magazine is a com has a compelling relationship with a reader, that reader is going to continue to be loyal to it. So there are, in our industry, what basically what you see is the stuff that floats to the top is floating to the, the top, and the stuff that really didn't have a good relationship with the reader is going to be sinking to the bottom. So magazines in and of themselves are not the issue, and readership of, of, of a lot of these magazines are at an all-time high because there is a connection. So magazine readership is not going to go away. Magazines are not going to go away. Actually, quite the opposite. Magazines are definitely going to grow, the ones that are connecting with their readers, the ones that have the compelling editorial. I mean, a magazine that comes to mind in our bevy of products is more magazines very much targeted to, you know, women over 40, you know, with a median income of 100,000. I mean, there are very few magazines that connect like that magazine connect. And they have a following. I don't see that world crumbling. They have an online component, and there has to be a way in which this woman who loves the more content can get that content elsewhere. So magazines, I don't believe, are going to go away. I think that those awesome products are going to flow to the top and the rest are just going to sink to the bottom. So that's, there's going to be a, a shift in the marketplace where the few tried and true will survive greatly. Um, in, the, in the Hispanic market, uh, are people reading? Yes. And who's the target that um, my advertisers want and who's the target that I can make a difference with? It's a target that wants to progress in the world and wants to make it better, wants their children to make it better in the United States. Very much, you know, an immigrant population that will become the middle class of America. That population, in order to progress, will need to read and will need information. Uh, that information can be acquired um, through Internet eventually, when the household income goes up, when education goes up. Um, magazines and information in, in, in country of origin language, which is where you're comfortable, most comfortable, is going to be critical. Now, will eventually a siempre mujer, if it has a web presence, be bilingual? The answer is yes, because that experience might be in English. And that online consumer or customer is probably going to demand different content. Uh, it could be the daughter of the woman that I am talking to, and she will demand that content in English. That's what I see. I see that the products that have a very, that are needed, and, and, and I, I'm going to just give you one question. 
if whoever you're talking to or you want to talk to, if you can answer, what are they trying to get done in their lives? And if you can be honest about what this consumer, this reader, this target is trying to get done in their lives, and you have that information, and you write or develop content to those needs and desires, you have a slam dunk. Are you planning on pursuing the bilingual and English-dominant Hispanic market in the future, I'm hearing you say yes already because you said that you've already yes. thought about Siempre Mujer being in Spanish and English. Absolutely. To me, uh, I have been in Hispanic marketing for 20 years. I have positioned and launched 17 brands to the U.S. Hispanic market, ranging from Miller Genuine Draft to Colgate Total to Irish Spring to Pringles <laughs> in different flavors in the Hispanic market uh, to repositioning people in Espanol. And one thing remains true. The Hispanic market is not static. The Hispanic market is an evolving market. One of the things that I see is an increased number of households led by Hispanic women alone. That's something that I see happening in our future. Single moms? Yep. Absolutely. Is that a demographic that you think is separate from Siempre Mujer, for example? Right now it is. I think that these Hispanic women, as they evolve, you see, we're not a static population, right? As the general market becomes, you know, more knowledgeable in, 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 di in different things and as, you know, divorce rates are very high in the general market, I think that the Hispanic woman will start standing up for herself because she's making her own money, she is educating herself, things that were not, una were not available in country of origin. So there's a shift in how this woman will evolve, and therefore her needs and, and the information that she needs will also evolve. How will that affect your efforts and the products that you have available in the coming years? How that affects is my absolute, I have to continue to be passionately committed to talking to Hispanic women, not to lose sight of what their experience is right now. The commitment this company must have is to understand the life experience of Hispanic women so that we can help, motivate, and help, you know, help and motivate and get you know, get her to that middle class that she wants to be or get her to store, get her children to, hey, apply to Ivy Leagues. <laughs> That's the dream. We're here to help with that dream. And um, I'm lucky that I actually get paid to do something that I feel is the right thing to do for the community. So <laughs> That's I'm wonderful. one of those people that has a job that says, oh, my God, this is my job and actually get paid for it, and this is what I need to be doing from my heart. That's a wonderful feeling. Oh, yes. It's a great feeling. Do you have other projects in the works? I'm, I'm hearing a lot of passion and enthusiasm about the next step and about the growth of this segment of the market, Latina women acculturated and looking for more empowerment. 
Do you have projects that you're working on right now in that area that you can tell us about? My new baby, my new startup is the Integrated Marketing um, Division. It's only three months old. It's, being headed, it's been headed by Chiqui Cartagena. Uh, she is a force unto herself. She uh, wrote and, pu and published Latino Boom. She's an expert in the Hispanic market. She is connecting with clients and helping them, consulting with them, and um, she's doing uh, different projects for the big companies. She's done projects for Procter & Gamble, for Kellogg's, for Pepsi, um, and she's got a lot on the pike. And what's exciting is for us to partner with these companies to ensure that what they communicate to Hispanic women and to Hispanic families is the right message. So that's my that's my that's my little baby. In the meantime, we are also looking at, at how to expand our magazines into um, other renditions, including web. So there's never a dull moment here. You keep busy. Yes, I do. <laughs> Ruth, what's the secret? You've been doing this for a long time. You've worked with all sorts of products and services and market segments. What wisdom can you share with our listeners who are eager for insights and uh, sort of the secret formula? The secret formula. Uh, the secret formula is that there are no shortcuts, that you can't take all the shortcuts, not talk to consumers, understand what benefits they need. You can't just translate an ad. You cannot really take the easy way out because the easy way out will give you a suboptimal product. Those brands that were committed to actually uh, addressing the Hispanic market had their commitment for more than three years. They committed to uh, looking at their general market strategic plans and were open to the fact that the Hispanic plan could look different. They also, the, the, the most, to me, that, you know, making sure you do all your homework and that your brand and your brand position, your brand benefits make sense for the target. And the second thing that is critically important and the other part of this secret is um, making sure that whatever you're doing in the general market or whatever your company stands for in the general market also resonates with the Hispanic market. I mean, I am aligned with a company that is about women, that is about empowering women. That's something that Hispanic women need and desire. So there was alignment right from the beginning. You look at a, comp a company like Colgate with great heritage in Latin America and commitment to oral health. You know, they have their bright smiles, bright futures globally. Coming to the United States and making sure that when they launch a product, they look at what this product looks like, they test it, they look at the different formulations, see if the Hispanic taste buds are the same or not as the general market, and they do all of that work. And that work does pay off. In That's a, the secret. In addition to all our corporate listeners, there are a lot of people out there who are small business owners. The information is really amazing about how many Latinos are out there starting their own businesses. And among those, of course, 
are Hispanic women who are leading the charge. What insights within that secret that you just shared would you expand on for small business owners, entrepreneurs, nonprofits who don't have that big corporate structure and all the support systems that you've been telling us about, but who are very motivated and eager and want to pursue this market, which is one of the few that's growing in the States. Uh, my, and I see it all the time, I think that first and foremost, if you have a great idea, do market sizing analysis. I mean, be honest with yourself and arm yourself with a market sizing analysis, meaning at the end of the day, my business model the universe for my business model is 5 million women. I need to understand how I'm going to get to those 5 million women and how I'm going to monetize my product to that. Right? So one of the biggest mistakes I see time and time again is, okay, this is a gold mine. This is gold rush. We're going to do this. And, and a product is launched without really Sizing the market. So that's the number one uh, piece of advice that I would give any startup or any company that is, you know, at attempting to reach the Hispanic market. And, and, and there's, you know, there, there are, there, there's tremendous opportunity. Second piece for that type of entrepreneur is, is that right now venture capital companies are looking for roll-ups. They are not looking for startups. What does that mean? There is money in the marketplace. And the money in the marketplace are for businesses that have just broken even, that have consumers, that have customers, that have, um, and that there is a stream of, of, of profit. Um, and uh, once those businesses are to that point, there is a great number of venture capital companies that will invest. For on the nonprofit. So those, that, that, that would be a little bit of what I, I would talk about um, it, to an entrepreneur. On the nonprofit segment, there is a huge opportunity for all these multicultural directors that are popping up in corporate America to serve on those boards. Get yourself armed with a board of directors that can roll up your, their sleeves and can help out and can... Um, you know, add and can make raise, raise raise funds and can get to the foundations. So you know, you can't do it alone. You really can't do it alone. You really need to reach out. Go get some help. Yeah, get some help. Thank you, Ruth, for all those insights and for sharing so much information about Meredith and your publications targeting Latinos in Spanish. And thank you for having me. I think I'm now not so nervous about these podcast things. It's just like any other media outlet, <laughs> right? Except more fun. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and for stretching me. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Ruth Gaviria, who is publisher and executive director of Hispanic Ventures for the Meredith Publishing Group, who discussed Meredith's efforts to reach U.S. Latinos with Spanish language publications. Brought to you by Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com, providing you essential information on America's largest minority. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas 
by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at HispanicNPR.com. For information on downloadable audio recordings about Marketing to Multicultural Kids, presented by Michelle Valdovinos, who is Senior Vice President of Phoenix Multicultural. Hispanic Perspectives on Advertising, presented by Liria Barbosa, who is Research Director of CNR Research. The Changing Latino Landscape, presented by Cesar Malgoza, who is Managing Director of Latin Force Group. Best in Class Hispanic Strategies, presented by Carlos Santiago, who is president, and Doreen Allen, who is managing partner of the Santiago Solutions Group. Segmentation by level of acculturation, presented by Miguel Gomez Weinbrenner, who is senior consultant of Cheskin, and many other downloadable presentations. Visit our resources section at www.hispanicmpr.com backslash resources backslash HMPR hyphen products. That's HispanicMPR.com backslash resources backslash HMPR hyphen products. Or click on the resources button at the top of the HispanicMPR.com website. (music) 